0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 17. We have been in a a theme called race, relationships, and reconciliation. We kind of talked about this last week, and I want to give a a follow-up to that this week and talk to you out of John chapter 17. What I'm going to attempt to do is use John 17 as the framework, and then I want to unpack some thoughts about the Good Samaritan. So Luke 17 is the story of the Good Samaritan, and John 17 is where we're going to spend most of our time uh, today, As you're turning there, I came across this I, I recently. I thought this was appropriate. Uh, a, a busy executive was working from home during the quarantine. And so he was on a Zoom call. Uh, of course, he was professional from the waist up, but he was still in his PJs from the waist down. Can I have a good amen? A lot going on trying to work from home during the quarantine. And his six-year-old son wanted to play. Daddy, can you play with me? Dad, can you play with me? And so he found himself a little distracted. saying, said, no, son, look, I, I can't play. Daddy's got to work. Well, the six-year-old boy just was relentless. So finally the dad said, hey, go get me that magazine. So the boy ran and grabbed a magazine. Dad opened it up. And the fold out in the middle was a map of the entire world. And so the dad took some scissors and he cut the map up into a hundred tiny pieces. And he said, son, Go go put this map of the world together, and when you finish, then I'll play with you. He knew the six-year-old had never seen the globe, didn't know the first thing about how to put it together, so he thought he was going to buy himself a little time to get some stuff done, and all the parents said, uh, oh, yeah, we've all done that. Well, it wasn't, but 10 minutes later, the boy came back, and he had the whole map of the world put together. (laughs) The dad was amazed. He said, son... How in the world did you know to do this? And the boy said, Dad, it was simple. He began to turn over the pieces. He said, On the other side was the picture of a man. And I knew that if I could put the man together, then the whole world would fall in place. Come on now, do you see where we're going here? That, that, that little boy had discovered something. He had never seen the globe, didn't know how to put it together or make the world work, but he could start with the man on the other side. Now, if you're like me, you've seen what's happening in our world, and it's heartbreaking. Oh. I've had so many emotions and feelings, and I've just been overwhelmed with pain and hurt and confusion and anger and and moments of hopelessness and then feelings of helplessness, and the truth is I can't fix the world, but I can scale this thing down to the man inside of me, and if I can fix what's happening in here, then I can make a difference in the world out there. Can I have a good amen? Amen. And I feel like this is so important for us as a church to talk about. You know, I I thought about, as I prepared for this message, even my own children. I thought about Alexa and Michaela and Trevor. You know, we're standing at a really interesting moment in our nation's history. And as a church, we have an opportunity to create a lot of change. We have a, a, a chance to shape a world for our children. What decisions are we making today that will create opportunities for their tomorrow? You know, h- history will judge how Healing Place has handled herself in these seasons, in in these moments. And my prayer is this, that five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, history will be able to look back and see Healing Place Church was a church who stood with the oppressed, who valued every human life, and who ultimately honored Jesus. If we can check those boxes, maybe we make a lot of mistakes along the way. But if we can stand with the oppressed, if we can value human life and then give all glory to God, then maybe, just maybe, we can make a difference in our world. Are you with me today? John 17, I think, is a great prayer. It's the prayer of Jesus. It's one of his final prayers on his way to the cross. I mean, you think about this. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. And he looked at the men around him, his followers, the church. And he prayed something for them. And I think in this is a a really great lesson for all of us. John 17, this is the prayer of Jesus for the church. And here's what he says. He says, Lord, I pray that they will all be one. Come on, somebody say one. That they will all be one just as you and I are one. Lord, would you make them one just as we are one? He says, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. You know, I want you to jot this down. I want to break this into two major themes, and the first is this. I want to talk to you about unity within the church. Somebody say unity. Unity within the church. You know what's interesting what Jesus didn't pray for? You know, Jesus didn't say, Lord, help him to do great miracles. How many thinks that would have been pretty cool? if Jesus? I mean, if you're one of the disciples and you're part of this following of Christ, on his way out, Lord, I, help me to do the things that you I want to do the supernatural. Jesus didn't pray for them to do great miracles. He didn't even pray for them to preach great sermons. And nobody was a better teacher than Jesus. I mean, surely great miracles and and fantastic teaching is the way. He didn't pray, Lord, give them an amazing following. May great crowds follow them so that the message can get out. But he simply prayed a prayer of unity. Lord, would you make them one just as you and I are one. Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Remember what he prayed? Three simple words. He just declared, Lazarus, come forth. Three tiny words and a dead man was raised. But yet in John 17, you'll notice that five times Jesus prayed, Lord, make them one. Lord, put unity within the church. God, I know these are different men from different backgrounds, and they have different understandings. But Lord, would you make them one, just as you and I are one. If it only took three words to raise Lazarus from the dead, but Jesus, it took him five times to pray for unity. You know what that tells me? It takes more work for the church to be unified than it does for a dead man to rise. This is work. Come on, somebody say work. Unity, it sounds nice, but it requires something of each and every one of us. You know, I thought about the church in general. Anybody want to take a guess as to how many different denominations there are in the church? Anybody want to guess? Anybody take a, just a, a random thought? How many think that there's at least a hundred different denominations? How many would say a thousand different denominations? How many would say 10,000? 10,000, how many different denominations can there be? You know, you got Baptists and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Pentecostals and Assembly of God. And and then you got Church of God and Church of God. God. I mean, how many denominations? You know, there are literally 33,000 different denominations in church. You know, the word denomination comes from the same word denominator in a fraction, which literally means divided by. You know where denominations came from? I mean, we at one time were all one church. Remember the book of Acts? Remember that? Come on, y'all getting quiet in here tonight. Remember, we were all one church on the day of Pentecost when we were birthed, but over 2,000 years, we've split and divided 33,000 times. Somebody say, Help me, Jesus. Oh, there's something to be said about unity. Among the believers. Notice what the verse says in in verse 21. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one as you were in me and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Why is it important that the church is unified? Because the world is watching. And if we don't get unity right in here. How many of you know we can't produce change out there? Come on, talk to me this morning. It's hard for us to produce change in the world when there's division and strife in the church. Jesus knew this. And that's why he prayed this bold, outrageous prayer. You know, one thing that Martin Luther King, I remember him saying so many great quotes, but one of them that I've never forgotten. He said that that unfortunately, on Sundays at 11 o'clock, it's still the most segregated hour in America. But I'm thankful that in this house, man, I'm seeing growth and progress. I'm thankful that Healing Place is a family that values diversity and works to maintain unity regardless of where people come from or what they look like. Come on, put your hands together. Unity within the church, you know, in Luke chapter 10, it's a familiar story, the story of the good Samaritan. Uh, Let me give you a little context before we really unpack this thought. Jesus is approached by a religious expert. The Bible says that this, this man had been well studied in the law of Moses and he knew the religious details to a T. And he comes to Jesus one day and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered the question with a question. Don't you appreciate that about Jesus? He says, okay, well, the law of Moses, how does it read to you? And so this expert, of course he knew the law of Moses. He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right answer. You got it right. Good job. Well done. And so the Bible says that this religious expert was trying to tempt and and test Jesus. So he asked him further, who is my neighbor? Okay, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself, who's my neighbor? And here's the thing. When I studied that again this week, I thought, you know, here's what this religious expert was trying to do. He was trying to choose who he could love. Can I tell you this, church? When you have Jesus in your heart, you can't choose who you love. If Jesus lives on the inside of you, you're not selective when it comes to your love. You know, it's not like being in a grocery store and just picking things off the shelf. I want this. I want that. I think I love him. I don't care about her. Man, um, yeah, he's nice. She's okay. Nah, how many of you know we don't choose who we love? Man, when the love of God captivates us, then we are mandated to love those around us. This religious expert didn't want to love everybody, and so that's why he's saying, Who's my neighbor? How many of you know love is more than a feeling or an emotion? If you're married, you know that very well. And all the married people said, uh, Yeah, remember all the feelings and the passion and the emotion when you were dating? You know, they say dating brings out the best of you, and then marriage brings out the rest of you. It just requires work. You know, you you get married, and all of a sudden, there's these things called bills, and then kids kind of happen, and and then, you know, there's conflict to negotiate, and problems to be solved, and and pressure to navigate. Love requires work. You can't choose who you love, but you definitely got to put in the work. We gotta do the work that love requires. It's so much more than an emotion or a feeling. We can say love my neighbor and and watch a video and just clap our hands. Man, isn't that nice? Everybody thinks love is an amazing idea until you have somebody difficult to love. Anybody work with some difficult people? Anybody related to some difficult people? (laughs) Don't be pointing now. Don't be pointing. Some of you have been quarantined way too long. Love requires work. You can't choose who you love, and yet this religious expert was trying to be selective, and Jesus was about to blow this guy's mind. He's basically telling this guy listen, you're an expert at the law, but you're a rookie when it comes to love. You, you've got a big mind, but you've got a small heart. You know, sometimes we come to church and we're educated way beyond our ability to even love. God's trying to enlarge our capacity to love people around us. If we're going to walk in unity, you can't choose who you love. You know, also, and here's what's getting ready to happen. We've got to beware of stereotypes that exist. Okay? This... This Jew is coming to Jesus and he's saying, who's my neighbor? And Jesus is getting ready to challenge this guy in some stereotypes that he had embraced. Because if you know anything about biblical history, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. In fact, Jews would go out of their way to avoid a Samaritan. There was such religious hatred and animosity. And Jesus was about to test this man in an area. He's going to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. Come on, somebody say, Good Samaritan. Now, to a Jew, there was no such thing as a Good Samaritan. Wait, if he's a Samaritan, he's got to be bad. Uh, is, is there an exception? Is there actually a, 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 a Samaritan that's good? Yet Jesus is getting ready to tell a story that will make the Samaritan the hero out of it. How many of you know that had to be offensive for this religious expert? You can make the, the hero of the story a Samaritan? How can that be? Sometimes we embrace stereotypes we're not even aware of. You know, when I was younger, I, and I was raised in church, but we had some difficult things happening in our church. We had some pastors making bad choices, and as a teenager, I got burned. I I don't know if you've ever been hurt in the world, but when you come to church and experience church hurt, how many know that's painful? I mean, that had put a bitter taste in my mouth, and so I was so disenfranchised by church. You know what I said? I will never preach the gospel because there's no integrity behind the pulpit. I said that at 16 years of age. What was I doing? I was stereotyping every pastor out there. Those preachers, all they want is your money. They don't care about blah, 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 blah. I don't want anything to do with the church. Okay, I said that out of hurt, out of disappointment. I said that out of ignorance. And now here it is 30 years later, and I'm doing the very thing I said I would never do. How many know you don't tell God what you won't do? Come on, talk to me. God was trying to teach me, look, just because you've had a bad experience doesn't mean that every pastor out there is bad. You know, just because somebody commits a crime doesn't mean everybody in that ethnicity is a criminal. Come on, talk to me. You know, and I I think about the law enforcement in our community. You know, we have some amazing men and women in uniform that are a part of this church. And they love the Lord and they love this community and they're trying to make a difference and they need our prayers. Can I have a good amen? You see, it's dangerous for us to try to group everybody into one pot and say, because this happened, then they're all like that. Jesus is getting ready to blow this guy's mind and he's breaking stereotypes. I think there's some stereotypes that exist even within the church that God wants to break. You know how you break a stereotype? Let me give you three simple words. First is you listen. Listen. You know what happens? Listening creates an opportunity for learning. When you listen, you learn. It's amazing because we live in a culture where everybody's got something to say, but nobody wants to take the time to listen. Everybody's got a platform They've got a microphone, a social media outlet, and there's a lot of of talking out there. I'm not sure how good we are at listening. If we would listen, then we would learn. Listening produces learning, and learning creates understanding. And this is where sometimes we miss it as the body of Christ. When was the last time you asked questions and you didn't give your opinion? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. You know what I love about this church? There are so many small groups. I don't know if you noticed earlier when when Marla was talking about the small group that went out and did that outreach in the inner city. You know, that was a small group of a lot of diverse guys. There were white guys. There were black guys. There were police officers. And there were ex-drug addicts. How many know that's a small group I want to show up at? Give me that group. I want to be a part of people that have different backgrounds and experiences so that I can ask questions, I can listen, I can learn, and I can gain an understanding. Come on. This is something very simple, but it's powerful. If we're not listening and we're always talking, then we're going to miss something that God wants to show us. Love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer said. This was the the German theologian who died in a Nazi prison. And he said this, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. If you don't take time to listen to your brother, then you're eventually going to stifle the voice of God. Jesus is breaking apart stereotypes. Paul said it this way in Galatians 3 verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Somebody say one. You are all one in Christ. Notice this verse identifies so many differences. And a lot of times we'll just focus on what makes us different. We'll, we'll use the differences to create division. When Paul said, you are, regardless of your differences, you are one in Christ. Listen, there could be a lot of things that divide us. But the one thing that unites us is Jesus. And he's greater than anything that can divide us. And we've got to get back to that singleness of mind and purpose in Christ In Jesus, in him, the body of believers. That's why I love this house, because we are different people from different backgrounds. But we're all under the same banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where unity begins. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Let me do this little exercise. I didn't do this in the previous service. But on the count of three, I want you to yell out your name. Okay, tell me your name as loud as you can on the count of three. Ready, one, two, three. Oh, fantastic. Well, my name's Mike. Nice to meet you. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite food. Okay, ready, one, two, three. Waffle fries. Oh. Okay, on the count of three, name, I want you to yell out your favorite sports team. Ready, one, two, three. I heard somebody say Alabama. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to yell out the name of Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Okay, do you see? Okay, now now we're talking here. What is it that unites us? Our love for Christ. And the world needs to hear more about Jesus than our opinions, our feelings about X, Y, or Z. Are you with me? And if we can get unity in the body, then we can create some power to change the culture. Are you with me? And you see, Jesus is talking to this religious expert. And he said, a Jewish man went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And on his journey, he was attacked. And the thieves, they robbed him, they beat him, and they left him for dead in the ditch. Scripture tells us that along the road came a priest. This religious man who sees the man in need. But the scripture says he walks by on the other side. Not long after, a Levite, an associate pastor comes, and he sees the man in the ditch. The same need, the same trauma, but yet he passes by on the other side. Listen to me. If we're going to walk in unity, we'll never be able to drift and get there. You cannot drift into unity. It's going to take some intentionality. Aren't you glad that when you were in your ditch, Jesus didn't walk by on the other side? But what did he do? He went to you. You see, I believe that we're in a world that begs notice me. There's a part of our country that's saying, Feel my pain. Please don't ignore my hurt. Please don't pretend it doesn't exist. Please don't pass by on the other side. And as a church, God wants us to move out of our comfort and to involve ourselves in somebody else's pain. How can we bring healing to pain that we're not willing to get involved in? Are you with me? Jesus said, I want you to be one just as the Father and I are one. See, I'm sure that the priest and the Levite, when they saw the man in need and they passed by on the other side, I'm sure that they had responsibilities in the church. Maybe there was a service that they were late to or there were people they were trying to tend to. Uh, I can't miss my appointment with God because he's at church when they didn't even realize that God was disguised as the man in the ditch. God was waiting to be discovered. And I I pray that as believers, as the body of Christ, we would be so united under the name of Jesus that we would be aware of the needs of our brothers and sisters around us. Look at what it says in verse 23, John 17, verse 23. Again, Jesus says that I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You see, Jesus is saying when the world sees unity within the church, then they begin to understand the love of God for them. You see, unity within the church translates into change within our culture. How do we produce change within our culture? It starts with unity first among the believers. Tony Evans said this. He says, It's our God given role to influence the conscious of our culture. The church has a responsibility as it relates to the culture God has placed us in. We've got to raise the awareness. The responsibility we have is to awaken the conscious of our culture. Are you catching this today? I feel so compelled. And and, and again, I'm encouraged in what I see through this house. I know that we've got room to grow. But I'm telling you, this is a moment in history where we, as the family of God, can demonstrate something that this world desperately needs. You say, Mike, why didn't the priest or the Levite stop? I don't know. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they they thought, listen, the bad guys that did this to to this man, they're still at large. They're out there somewhere. Maybe they thought, what's going to happen to me if I stop? But the Samaritan comes along and he says, wait a second, what's going to happen to him if I don't? You see the difference? You see, when we walk in unity, then we have an awareness of our community. And we can't be silent and pass by on the other side, pretending that it doesn't exist. We have to be touched with the pain that's around us. You know, creating change, it's messy business, isn't it? It's messy. It involves us stopping our schedule, stepping out into something uncertain, The Bible says that this Samaritan looked upon the man who had been taken advantage of. The Bible says he came down off of his animal and he got into the ditch. He had to come down in order to reach a man that was down and pull him back up. You know, and I believe that that's part of the role and responsibility of the church is coming down from certain thoughts and ideas and opinions and embracing the suffering of the world around us in order to lift someone up higher. I believe God wants to lift people in their thinking, God wants to lift people in their experience, He wants to lift people as it relates to their value. The Bible says that, it, that he reached down to this man that was in the ditch, and the Bible says he began to, 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 to bring healing to his pain. He bandaged his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. The Scripture says he put the man on his own animal, went down the road and checked him into the nearest hotel and said, hey, listen, here's some money. Take care of this man. I'll be back. And if I get back and the bill is, is, is higher than what I've given, I'm going to cover whatever remains. Jesus tells this story to the religious expert to make him realize that every person has value. And if we see a need, it's important that we meet that need by the grace of God. Paul said it this way. He says in Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Overcome evil. How how do we overcome evil? By doing good. And I want to ask the band to come up as we prepare to close. This is the mandate and the responsibility that God has given us as the body of Christ. And honestly, I don't understand everything about this issue. I'm learning. I feel like I'm growing. I feel like there's an awakening that's taken place even within my own heart. But if I can look at what's happening around me and make a commitment to continue to serve and do good. Serve and do good. Uh, Love without any strings attached. I've received the love of God. His mercy has met me at my worst. Guess what? I've got to be merciful and serve the world around me. Jesus asked the expert. He said, okay. There's the story. And you tell me which one was the neighbor. Who was the neighbor? And the expert said, well, I, I suppose it was the, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said, you got that right too. You know, there's two things you've gotten right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you've also learned who, who you're to be as a neighbor. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You know, it's words like this in days like today that really mobilize who we are and galvanize our commitment to God and our responsibility we have to the world around us. Amen? Jesus said, Lord, I I pray that they're one just as you and I are one. The unity we walk in Positions us to, re- to create the change that our world desperately needs. My question to you is this. Can we be the answer to that prayer Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago? Can we be that church? Can we walk in a spirit not of offense, not of opinions, not of agendas? But can we walk in a spirit that says Jesus is Lord? And I'm committed to my brother, to my sister. In that, I think there is the potential that God's given us to be the church we're supposed to be in this hour. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.